0: joining with us. Um, we've, we've got, got books, books in the back for the next, next two months. months. The next, next two months, months we're reading the book five. This is approved for congregations. There. there are two lists there. Uh, one is the people, people who ordered this particular book and, and then uh, people who, who are on the permanent book list who just to get a book. They um, so, so you don't have to pay today. Just make sure you, you check, check out your name so that we page know page that you've Say uh extreme sure check. If no check, no check, letter, just just sure it's another um, that we're you dates. We're gonna get a lot to take pictures for a directory, right? Um, um number, number one, one, one candidate who's interested, interested in directory, directory is a mom who was about to have, have a baby in the directory. last directory. She so wants a new directory. directory. Or, um, just, just had one who was bring the baby, baby up there. So March uh, the first full week in March is uh, when we're going to have our directory, and the major change is going to be uh, there's going to be printed uh, versions that anybody can have that takes a picture, but we're also going to have a digital version that can be on an app um, that I can have at the hospital if I'm so in the hospital uh, that we didn't have. 15 minutes at the time, a knee surgery. Lovely visit. Uh, and then said, it. Now, wait, now, where are you from? And I went, this is not good. Um, so, Gregory, so, uh, first full something, like something like 3, three, three through seven. 7. If you have a prayer concern, make sure you raise your hand. Uh, our ushers will bring you a card. Make sure you write legibly. And uh, we will mention your prayer concern in worship. It will be prayed over uh, on the Tuesday, uh, Meeting, and then we will, uh, other people will be praying for it throughout the week. So make sure you raise your hand if you uh, want that. So let's uh, turn our hearts to the Lord.
1: Will you stand and sing with us? To see Jesus. Let's pray.
2: Gracious God,
1: we are so thankful for you and for your love and for the opportunity that we have to come here together this morning in your name. As we begin these conversations about hospitality, help us to open our hearts and our minds and our doors so that we can be more than just these four walls to the community, so that we can reach your love out to those around us, and we can be your hands and feet to those who need you the most. Be with us now and bless this time that we have together as we worship you. In Christ's precious and holy name we pray, amen if you would turn and greet your neighbor and children can come forward for the children's sermon. Good morning, how are y'all? Good, okay, I need y'all to point out some people for me today, okay? Okay, do you know who who is an adult in here? Who's an adult? Everybody out there? Okay, everybody out there is an adult, okay. All right, what about who is a child? Okay, you guys, right? All right, so you're the child and everybody out there is an adult. Which one am I? An adult, sort of. Okay. All right. So I'm an adult, right? And you guys are children. Okay. So does an adult, do they rely on you guys to take care of them? Or do you rely on the adult? Who takes care of you? The adult, right? Yeah. Mom, dad, grandparents, aunts, uncles, all those people take care of you, right? What do they do for you? they don't do anything? What do they do for you? you They give you food, right? They help you. Do they ever pick out your clothes? Well, sometimes you pick your own clothes out. I understand that. But do they ever buy your clothes? Yeah, they buy your clothes, right? They get your food. They take care of you. They play with you, right? They play with you sometimes, sing with you, act silly with you, right? Okay, so we, you guys, the child relies on the adult. So I'm going to read a verse this morning, or a couple of verses this morning, and you guys tell me how we should love God. Should we love God like adults, or should we love God like you guys, okay, like kids? You ready? Okay, so listen up, okay? At At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus called a little child to him and placed the child among them. And he said, truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? The child or the adult? a child right? So we are supposed to rely and trust in on God for what? Everything, just the same thing that you trust your mom and your dad and your grandparents to take care of you. we are supposed to rely on God just like that. How cool is that? So he wants us to be just like you guys. How about that? you think you can do that? Okay, let's pray pray with me really quickly. Lord, thank you so much for opening our minds and making us be children again so that we can love you just like these children do. Amen.
0: As we go to God in prayer, I invite you to remember these names that have been lifted up for Andy, who's waiting for a transplant, for Shirley, who's recovering from surgery, for Jane, who has health issues, for Steve, for health and recovery, for liver cancer, and for George, also fighting cancer. Let us pray. Lord we have learned for weeks that we indeed have frail bodies, that medicine though it has tremendous advances every week cannot save us all, and that your world can harm us. But In the midst of these things we pray for your guidance, we pray for your healing, we pray for your protection and when we are harmed or we hear of others who are harmed help us to be your hands and feet help us to be your comforting words perhaps most importantly help us to be your listening ears to those who are in pain around us inspire us this morning Lord as we pray the prayer your son taught us to pray our Father who art in heaven how would be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So we start a new series um, from September through October. Um, Try to get you the most value possible out of getting your book, and you get two months' worth uh, for this $12. Practices of Fruitful Congregations, something that I've used for the past three years in various ways, primarily greeting newcomers to the church to say, this is what we hope this church will be. Um, this particular text helps uh, us all understand why I'm going for that angle with this book. Matthew 18, starting with verse 1. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Why do you figure they want to know that? Why do you figure any human being wants to know that? Why do we want to rank ourselves against others?
1: We do it as
0: um, members of the church. We do it as a church. We do it as individuals in the workforce. We do it with our companies versus other companies. Christians look down their noses at other churches, ironically, for very different reasons. Many Christians will look at an enormous church and go, I don't know what they do in there. They don't even know anybody there. We also look down our nose at tiny churches and say, I don't know what you could be doing there. Church is too small. What could you achieve with a group that small? And what you're doing when you're doing that is, um, and ministers do it too, what you're doing when you're doing that is figuring that there's a number for some reason, that at that number is where you can magically do the most in ministry. And it's funny how often that number is the size of your church, shocking that it would be the size of your church. But if you have had a size that you're accustomed to, and it changes drastically, either smaller or larger, it can be very unsettling for you. And you can start to wonder if you can do the things that you need to do with the size that you are. If you're getting smaller, what are your fears regarding that subject? We're not gonna have the resources. We're not gonna have the people. We're not gonna have the money. We're not gonna have uh, the energy to do the things that we needed to do. If you're getting bigger, what are your fears? We're not gonna have the connection. We're not gonna have the personal touch. We're not gonna be able to notice if someone is hurt if we're too much bigger. And so people will generally ask me, primarily ministers, they'll say, how's your church going? at district, I'll see them at district things or conference things or run into them somewhere. How's your church going? And um, I'll say, well, um, you know, we're trying to improve communication. We're trying to make it as simple as can be. We're trying to look at our volunteers. And and their eyes start to glaze over a little bit. And then they say, uh, how many people are coming? That's what they want to know. And when they hear the number that I say, then they make their determination as to whether our church is doing well or not. And then they'll make a determination of whether I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing based on that. The darkest I've ever experienced that was two churches ago. But every church has it. Every single church has it. And here's your first quote of the day from the new book. At every turn, the disciples seem ready to draw boundaries and distinctions that keep people at a distance from Jesus. They have a thousand reasons to ignore, avoid, and sometimes thwart the approach of people, reminding Jesus that some of these people are too young, too sick, too sinful, too old, too Roman, too blind, or too Gentile to deserve his attention. Why? Well, I'm guessing part of the reason is their anxiety of whether they are capable capable of doing this job. Generally, when someone feels anxious about whether they're capable, they start to find faults in other people to make sure that they bring them down to a level that they feel comfortable of the group that they're in. I don't know if you've noticed that. Sometimes sometimes the the most unsettling, unnerving, uh, spiteful spiteful person is the scaredest person. They want to make sure that things are unsettled so that it's not They have amnesia regarding their previous state. What were they before? Out on the edges. They were. They were not making significant decisions as to whether people were accepted or not by God when they were out there fishing. They had one focus. Working hard and fishing. But now that they're in close proximity to Jesus, they start to wonder out loud, wait, now these people? You don't welcome these people in. I mean, we were, uh, I feel like we were pretty good when you picked us up. I feel like we were ready. I don't know about these people. I don't know if they were ready. This might be the worst one, and it might be the biggest one. Mistaking Jesus' achievements for their own. Now, when I say that, I don't mean that the things that Jesus did, walking on water, feeding 5,000, that sort of thing, that they did them. What I mean is that they have ownership over them. That they get to determine which way this amazing Jesus is going to help people. They want to harness it. And they want to protect it. And they want to give it to people who are what? Deserving. Special. Like them. I mean, there, there's three amazing ones. They want to hold it back and guard it. Verse 2 says, he called a little child to them, just like Marnie said, and placed the child among them. And he said, truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So before he says this, they figure Jesus has watched us all. He knows which one of us is the greatest. He can settle this. He can tell us which one of us or which one of the surrounding people is the greatest amongst us. One, Jesus could say, "Uh, I am. But what does he actually do? He deflects the praise from this question to one of the smallest people around. Did he even know the child before he said it? Or did he look down, see a child, and say, um, this one right here, this one person struggling, you know, not really further than four feet off the ground, this person is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And what do you think the disciples thought about that? What do you think about the people who were around him thought about that? Um, I posed this question, to I think it was to the youth in the sanctuary when I spoke to them three, four weeks ago, and I said, how much interaction do you believe these men had with children? These fishermen. Well, I don't know. in that culture, how much, do men, how much are men involved with the raising of the children? So how much do you think they knew about children? How much do you think they feared children because of it? Youth, much less. People see a teenager and they think, this person can pick me apart. They know everything that I'm scared of in an instant, and they'll bring it up, and I'm not even,
3: mm-mm. I'm
0: not going to talk to them. So these men wouldn't know much about children or youth, much less know how to celebrate them or learn from them, to learn about them. So they don't know, or perhaps I figure they don't know, children hug the hardest. When you get a kid to hug you, you have gotten a hug today because they're serious. Sometimes adults just still deal here, this little pet, this little deal. And um, the more I've gone into ministry and the more I've learned about same sanctuaries and personal space and all kinds of stuff, I will barely, you know, just, it's good to see, (laughs) let's do this, it's good to see you, it's good Good to to see see you you. like that. Just almost going all the way away from touching them. But a kid, kid's going to squeeze you. Kids are barely straightforward, good or bad. They're going to go ahead and tell you. Children need guidance. And sometimes they're aware of it. I'll tell you, they're aware of it more than adults are aware of it. So if you look at those qualities of a person who's welcoming, who's thoughtful, who gives good hugs, who knows that they need guidance, you can see why Jesus would say this child is the one who knows what they're doing. Second quote of the day. We, too, were once strangers to the faith, residing outside the community where we now find rich resources of meaning, grace, hope, friendship, and service. We belong to the body of Christ because of someone's hospitality. Who brought you here? Who brought you to the church that you went to, whether it was in um, Texas or whether it's in North Carolina or whether it was in Charleston or whether it was here? Who brought you There was a day when you weren't coming, and someone along the way encouraged you to come somewhere, which led you to come here at some point for some reason. And the more we do positive things at this church, and the more we invite people, the more we will have come in who haven't had much to do with church in a while. And that awareness that we were that way one day, whether it was when we were 47, or whether it was when we were four, someone brought us. We were once scared, we were once humble, we were once in need of guidance. Verse 4 says, Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So that, that would be confusing. If you were a disciple wanting him to settle, which one of you was the most important? And you said, well, I I want you to behave like children. I I want you to be humble and in need of me. And your humility, your desperate, grabby need, your willingness to learn is what will make you great. So many times we get confused, and I think ministers get more confused than anybody, over greatness and how you establish it and how you determine it and how you measure it. But as we look at this book, this quote is going to set the tone, and it's the last one. According to Wesley, it's John Wesley, before people ever consciously come to faith, they have inner desires for a relationship with God that are stifled, forgotten, neglected, ignored, or denied. Imagine that every human being had inside them a desire to reach out with God, but that that thing had been so abused, so ignored, that they had just pushed it down, didn't want it anymore, didn't care anymore, didn't want to reach out anymore. So if we have an understanding that every single person in the room that walks in has that desire, then we'll have a responsibility to be welcoming to them. So when somebody says to you, how's your church going? Or they ask me, how's our church going? We're going to be basing it on the five things that are going on in this book. And they are um, radical hospitality. Radical hospitality. Passionate worship. It's not how you worship. The style that you worship, whether you're traditional, or whether you're contemporary, or whether you're blended, or whether you're at 10, or whether you're at 7, or whether you're at 11, or whether you're at 1, or whether you're at 9. Passion. Like it matters. Worship. Risk-taking mission and service. That's the most frightening one to me. Because I love to go home at night, and I can't hammer a nail straight at all. I'm talking about at all. I'm useless. I'm not a a, uh, grown man in terms of... uh, being um, handy, Um, extravagant generosity. What are the things that we have that we are willing to give whether it's talent, whether it's time, whether it's treasure. Intentional faith development. So Sundays are cool and I like getting together on Sundays and I like talking about scripture on Sundays. But a church that's getting it done is making sure that in between Sundays, there's a way for you to grow deeper in some way, shape, or form, in whatever way it is. So we're going to focus on those five topics through September and October. We're going to celebrate the things that we do, and we're going to find ways that we can um, enhance everything that we do for those five to make sure people of Greer know that we are um, not a number but that we're vital. That we're doing things for this community that the community would miss if we were no longer here. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for this house where we may come worship. We're so grateful for the talent of the people who are here. So grateful for the call that you have placed on our lives. We ask that you may bless us throughout this series. That we can learn more about ourselves, more about each other, and more about you. Amen. I want you to look at our communion liturgy that's found on the screen. Let's say this like we mean it. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin, and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. So it's not about the fact that we are perfect approaching this table. It's the fact that we're willing to acknowledge that we need mercy, that we need justice, that we want to participate in reconciliation with our God and with others. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. If you'll stand and shake one another's hand and say, Peace be with you. Let's offer peace to one another. When you're seated, our ushers will uh, take up our offering.
2: night I take your order and try to be polite hide what I've been going through with you it Right now I need a little hope. I need to know that I'm not alone. Maybe God is calling you tonight. Tell me something that might save my life. I'm the pastor at your church. For all these years you listen listened to my words. know all the answers, but I've got a thousand questions too. Behind this smile, I'm really just like you. Afraid and tired and insecure. Look me right in the eyes. See the real me inside. Would you take the time? To tell me what I need to hear. Right now I need a little hope I need to know that I'm not alone Maybe God is calling you tonight Tell me something that might save my life Save my life I am just like everyone I need you, I need your love Save my life Tell me what I need to hear Tell me that I'm not God Show me there's a God who can be more than all I've ever wanted Right now I need a little hope I need to know that I'm not alone I can hear you calling me Jesus only you can
0: I've been to very simple dinners, and I've been to very fancy dinners. Both of them had their place. The meal that the disciples shared with Jesus was a very simple dinner with very simple people. But just like a lot of the simple things that we have, the simple meals we have with other people, it's a critical relationship that we have. Really important things are being said in terms of love and affection and in terms of inclusion. And Jesus at this dinner, with very simple elements, makes a very important promise to his disciples and to us today. He took the bread and he broke it. And he said, take and eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this always in remembrance of me. After the dinner, he took the cup, he gave thanks to God, and he said, drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant. There's something like five, I forget the number I said. I said it in the sermon four or five weeks ago, 500-something covenants. He says, this is a new one, a new opportunity for you to participate in the love that I'm offering to you and to others. To love the Lord your God with your whole heart and to love your neighbor as yourself. He said drink from this all of you and participate in my covenant. So I'm going to invite the band members who are going to serve with me up in the United Methodist Church. Anyone who wants to come forward for communion is welcome to do so. We serve by intention which means um, we'll give you a piece of bread and break it, and you dip it in the cup and eat it. If you'll come by the center aisle and go back by the outside aisles and um, sit in prayer and reflection after you've taken until we um, gathered again. Invite right you to come forward. Let us pray. Lord God keep us mindful of the state in which we were when you reached out to us. Keep us mindful that we can learn so much more and do so much more when we're humble, when we're eager, when we're willing to serve you. Teach us to take this gratitude, this mercy, this love that you've given us this day out to the community in the words that we say, in the things that we do. Amen. I invite you to stand for the band's final song.
4: Your faithfulness stretches to the sky. Your righteousness is like a mighty mountain. Yeah. Your justice flows so like the ocean's eyes. I will find my strength in the shadow of your wings, I will lift my heart. Your love, oh, Lord reaches to the heaven. Your
3: faithfulness
4: stretches to the
3: sky.
0: Go forth in peace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and power and presence of the Holy Spirit go with you all. Amen.
3: great week.